Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That's what we want. Get the right treatment. Get the right treatment. treatment. Or just stop using drugs. That You could do that. (laughs) That's probably a good idea. Stay away from the fentanyl. Yes. I, I can't tell you how many times now I've been over there at the Aloe Treatment Center in the introductory group that I do every Tuesday. And a person, I always ask a drug of choice because I was trained by ASAM criteria from back in the 80s and 90s, right? That's okay. what you ask for. What's your drug of choice? I know nowadays LCSWs don't know what that means, but that's what I'm trained to do. So I was, and the, the amount of times I'm hearing young females say that fentanyl is their drug of choice is jaw-dropping it is weird i was talking to a guy today who i've seen i've known him at two other treatment centers and now he's at ours so over the last you know his drug five, of choice six, migrated years, his drug of choice did change from heroin to fentanyl he said it was like he insane. goes it was like finding dope all over again and oh i go God. what and then when you see the people on it, it doesn't look like it doesn't look the same as. Wow, I as, never, I don't even, th- I don't think I've even seen somebody on fentanyl. I, How old am I? Fentanyl being the drug of choice is just madness. But you know, so our theme is don't die, stick around long enough to figure it out, all that kind of stuff. I think we were a part of a national movement that kind of was in that general ballpark and i think it's working so now we need a new mission and the new mission is that you're <laughs> wait listen, we've solved that, that. Listen, we solved that <laughs> put that to bed no, but the next mission is going to be even harder chuck <laughs> oh and no that is to how to bring ethics and morals back to the recovery industry oh oh that's, my no, god that's, no let's go back to the fentanyl problem For, forget it I, I, <laughs> it's easier <laughs> you know God. God dang it. <laughs> so so that's my agenda for 2020. This is like, Bob Quixote. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the new windmill is... <laughs> well, the question that I've been having with a lot of my friends, you know, now that the money's dried up in rehab, a lot of the bad actors are getting out of there. But I was at a conference like two Fridays ago where I looked around the room and there was some bad actors in there. Because I, I know all actors. <laughs> Right, you go, I, I'm friends to all. No good. So no good. No so good. So now there's and just like we're trained, there's continuums of good and bad. I would say I'm not the angel everybody thinks I am. Right? I know the <laughs> I don't angels. Know if anybody thinks that. Well, <laughs> I mean, you're a good Mike, guy. Mike marches went on and on about what an angel I am, or before you got here. Oh, just saying that you do. Good I missed work. it. You know, you do good. I would work. love to see you guys having one of those love fests. No, but I. Well, let's just put it this way: I'm portrayed sometimes in media, say in a movie called Bob and the Monster, as this angel. I'm not a fucking angel. I know who the angels are. They work at Cry Help. They work at Socorro. <laughs> they work at Impact. Okay, I work good at point. fucking malibu <laughs> that, that doesn't that doesn't make you inherently evil Bob. but it doesn't make me an angel either yeah. right so just in the in the deportment in the category of rehab actors let's okay say. okay so so i know i do know the the good actors at charlie street yeah right? there are that those are the angels i'm no angel but i'm certainly not some scumbag either yeah, and Woodland, then the scumbag yep. and the scumbag side of things has degrees 
I think Chris Batham would be way out on the right-hand side of the scumbag. I, I don't even know who he is. The guy that was having sex with all the clients and giving them drugs and buying oh, them drugs. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, that's, that's, that's probably actor. that's probably pretty <laughs> yeah. bad. That's a bad actor. But but and then <laughs> and then back up to the patient brokers of Costa Mesa. Then back up to the phony baloney recovery advocate. But bullshit. you have coaches doing that too, like in sports and stuff. But that doesn't mean that all coaches are bad. No, you know. I think people are. Well, people used people to be, be bright white. enough to differentiate. Right, but, exactly. But so so on this big spectrum, most of the 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 really, I would say, middle-of-the-road scumbags are leaving because they only got into it to make money. They're right. still scumbags in the industry. And so I'm at this conference, and I'm looking around, and the guy's saying... You know, the good actors, bad actors, it's given the, con- the one little part of the conference, right? And I was looking around the room, there's about 50, 60 people there. There were some bad actors in there, right? Mm. But they consider themselves good actors. So then, then it gets they, into self-delusion. Really? <laughs> it gets into self-delusion. I think they do, mm. right? But it, it becomes so clear when there's, when there's purely a profit-driven business model leads the clinical model it becomes so evident when things but it's are... always so let's get into that because i know a lot of clinicians listen to this and this has come up recently you know because of the the lack the lower compensation right so the clinical can has to consider i was trained by asam people i i was trained that that one of the most important assessment tools is ability your your, your uh, ability to pay or your payer. <laughs> oh. You can't go to Malibu treatment if you're a homeless bum. You have to find, in, in your core training, you're assessing and referring a client. Those are the first two pieces of the core, whatever the, you know, the core. You <laughs> know, However the core many thing. core, yep. Remember, I know, yep, uh, yep, there's yep. six of them or something. <laughs> wow, we're so good it's at assessment this. referral. <laughs> Treatment plan, in, uh, no, assessment referral, intake treatment plan, uh, discharge plan. So that's five. There's one other one. <laughs> There's one other key part of rehab. Oh, uh, core functions. Yeah, the core functions. And I, I, hey, at least I came up with what it's called without using my phone. <laughs> Yay. Was, the guy that's been working for 25 years didn't know what it was called, but he knows what it is. And he knows five of the six of them. But Good here's for the you. question for you at home. Is it six core functions or eight? I've never even... It's probably 12 by now. We missed some. core functions. Uh, or they've so paired anyways, it back. The first two, because I worked at a nonprofit and you were placing clients was... Their their ability, an ability to pay is one thing. Your insurance certainly is one thing. Also, your drug of choice. These are all factors in where that person should go, right? Right. They used to be. Well, now if I found you, you need to come to my rehab. That's what's wrong with the industry. Okay. They specialize in everything: sex addiction, gambling addiction, this addiction. Young people. We special. We have a young people's track. We have old people track. We have rich people track. We got poor people track. We got every track. Call no. this number. That's a lot of track. <laughs> you know it's true. The first time I saw it, there's a place in Arizona. I won't say its name so they don't sue me, but it was known as the place for sex addiction. Then it became 
the place for eating disorders and sex addiction. Then it became, then it, then the bonanza of 2014, where the money came back to rehab, then they were the, they had the most quantifiable evidence-based drug and alcohol treatment ever invented, mm. right? And you go on their website and they're experts about everything. Guess what? They are not good at hardly anything. They're just good at marketing. They are number one at marketing. <laughs> they're, they're number one. <laughs> they're number one. So, so I always, I, I just like, I always try to think of like a person's ability to pay uh, even for sober living. That was always a component of treatment. You had to consider where Buddy Arnold used to say, you need to, you need to start figuring out where they're going is right after you meet them. You know, meet them, you meet them, you get to know them, then you got to figure out where the fuck they're going. That's part of the <laughs> Right, well, you know plan. what? Unfortunately, it is. We got to... Well, we no, gotta... the last five years, it's where are they going? Back to rehab, back to the entrance. <laughs> Go back to the entrance. Can you see? You're at the back of the building now. You're an yeah. OP. <laughs> yeah. You need to go down the driveway and go to the in the front door again. That was treatment planning. That was discharge planning. That's where they're going. No, you know... I'm sure it is in, in a lot of places. I'm sure a lot of that's not looked at, but it, it's become so vital that it's, we used to wait until like the last 30 days until they step down, until they've gone through, through the IOP and then into OP before you even start with that idea. But now it starts at 30 days. So you have 60 days to look at, are you going to be able to afford um, sober living? Are you? When the answer are you, is no, then that person, this is according to the old way. So I started in 99, right? So, so this is at the turn of the century, and, the, and that, that was a continuation from the 80s, really. Rehab, rehab didn't change from 84 to 96, really. It was the same. It was 90-day programs. You were going to, the, the only thing that was different about the old days is everyone had their own place to live. This homeless component to millennials led to the Florida model. Hmm. Okay, right? yeah. So I I went to outpatients at at um, coming out of Hazelden. I went to outpatient. Where the fuck was that outpatient? I came home. I lived in sober living in the valley, and I went to outpatient in Beverly Hills. I want to say, then. I went to the to Beverly Hills Recovery Center. I went to Exodus. You went back to Exodus every day after you left after 30 or 35 days. You went home, and you went back every day, and you were in the same groups that you were in when you were in inpatient, right? Mm -hmm. At Exodus Hospital in Marine Del Rey, at uh, Daniel Freeman Hospital. And I went there eight times, so you... So you had this 90-day plan, and the second, month, the second month was PHP, what we all know now as PHP, day treatment, it was called, right? Third month was night treatment, because you're so supposed just, to be getting back to work, right. getting back to school, getting back to some semblance of life. That's what, by putting all these non-functional people in rehab, rehab shifted and changed, right? Because the assessment and referral was... A forgotten art form, right? If you don't have a place, to, if you can't even feed yourself, this treatment here in Malibu <laughs> is not going to work for you, right? But that's right. right that's also but become instead, a, it's we'll feed you to bill your insurance. It's become a, a common plan on the treatment plan. You know, um, having somewhere to be. 
to in what to live it, to be to, isn't that the primary thing of right all but i mean but i mean it used to be the treatment plan would be substance abuse um you know strained familial relations yeah. and things like that but occupational problems and um locating a place to live homelessness is like it's so common that it's like well if i if i'm not here i'm on the street but really they're not on the street they're in another program so so that that all got perverted through the gold rush, right? The gold rush is over. What's going to happen now? That's my question to our listeners, to each other. You know, we have to start um, kind of having, going back to the way that it was before. Whereas there were sober livings before all this bullshit. You could play, pay weekly, Pay weekly that, and it was yeah, affordable. Yeah, it was like eighty to a hundred dollars, hundred and twenty dollars, right? And so I knew many people back in the early nineties when I was going to rehab a lot. You could panhandle and make your rent. <laughs> you could. <laughs> well, that the idea was is that they had to make it affordable because housing was more affordable too. I mean, that's why a lot of us we went and got apartments with people that we met in treatment. Right. You know, it's like, hey, we can get a we can get a two bedroom place in Long Beach for six hundred so, bucks. But, but isn't the industry creating that by by importing people from Indiana and Ohio and West Virginia and Texas and and New York and bringing them to the most expensive places in the United States, Santa Monica, Malibu, Huntington Beach, Newport Beach, Laguna Beach? Is, aren't we creating their inability to transition? by how we tease them with these fancy rehabs? It's a marketing toy. But tell me that you have to be in Huntington Beach or Laguna Beach or Malibu to get sober, Chuck. No, you don't. But Why it was, are all the rehabs there? It was nice. It's a marketing tool. Well, it's because this is where we live and there's there's a problem no, base I here. No, I live in Claremont. Nobody wants to come to Claremont for rehab. <laughs> you don't want to come here to do a podcast. <laughs> I don't, I, hey, it's nice here this week compared to last week. It was so hot the last time we, I was up here. Right. But, but, you know... I mean, I've got a friend who's thinking about going back to Indiana. He's been out here for like uh, two years and he wants to go back and start stuff up there. And he's talking to people there about getting things going. And that's really what it's going to take is there being resources in those places. Of course, there's, it's enticing. Come to Florida, come to California, come to Hawaii, come to the Bahamas, wherever Hawaii it is. Hawaii never worked. Do you know who first started to try to do rehab in Hawaii? Who? Impact. Jim Stilwell. Really? In the 1990s. You can't get drug addicts to get on a plane for six hours. Oh. For some reason, the Hawaii thing just never worked. They had the most beautiful kind of place there um, and 20-bed rehab, and it never worked, Hawaii. That's funny because people will go from Boston I know, to L.A. To Huntington Beach. But they won't. <laughs> okay. Isn't that crazy? Maybe they don't want to fly over water. I don't know. Maybe they think it's another country. That was one of the greatest things ever. That, I <laughs> got to another... tell you the greatest thing. So Richard Rogg, who basically is a mentor of mine, he, he invented residential treatment. If there's one person you're going to point at and say, that's the guy who invented residential treatment. His name is Richard Rogg. He started Promises um, West LA in the late 80s, right? And, and so... So some former employees of his, because everyone who owns the fancy rehabs worked at Promises. Not me, because I'm not Promises staff material, hmm. but most everybody else. And I, 
could name the names, but all the rehabs that everybody knows the names of the people, all those people who own them worked at Promises at one time or another. Just as all the behavior mod places, Cry Help Impact, Phoenix House, um, all, they all started in Synanon. So there's these big bangs in treatment, right? Okay. Synanon blew up and all the people that were mid-level or management or clinicians at at Synanon went and started all the behavior mod programs of the late 70s. Did you know okay. that? No, yeah, because you've talked yeah. about it, but so otherwise then I wouldn't So the have... same thing happened out of Promises. Promises was a, it wasn't even a category of thing. It was a house that Betty Ford clients went to after 30 days in Betty Ford, because Betty Ford was originally 30 days, right? Oh, so it must have been an early 80s thing. No, like late 80s, okay. 86. I think Betty Ford started in 84. I'm not too sure. But so get this. So, so two of his former employees were having dinner or at lunch at the Gratitude Cafe. And, Gratitude Cafe. And, uh, and two of his employees that I kind of knew, they had run off with all the cash of this rehab that was under investigation, all this trouble. It's kind of famous thing in Hollywood. So then they, and I heard from a mutual friend that they ran away to Hawaii. And this shows you like, like, I just love smart people. I really do. <laughs> not, not that I dislike dumb people, but yes, I kind of do. do. I yes, you do. do. But smart people, I'm just, I'm just enamored with. I'm just fascinated. So Richard's always this calm, kind of very even tempered, wonderful, guts, wise man. And he goes, he goes, he goes, why? That's where they ran off to. And I was like, yeah, that's what I heard. And he goes, do they know that's the United States still? <laughs> because they had defrauded and they were like, <laughs> hey, fuck it, dude. Let's we're go to Hawaii. Fuck. Let's get out of the country. Let's go to Hawaii. <laughs> they don't have extradition from Hawaii. This <laughs> <laughs> is so great. Anyways, so trying to get back to the point, ethics and morals and, and I don't know about morals, but ethics and, and just, just, just standardized business practices, thinking about truly clients coming first. I've been saying it for years. It doesn't do any good to come out here from Ohio. It's not going to help. Yeah. You're going back to Ohio in 90 days after, by the way, somebody makes $100,000 off your insurance. It's unethical. It's not helping. So what happened, what, what will help is if they stay out here. The problem is it's so expensive to live out here, right? Yeah, and well, I've heard it is. I've heard the same thing about Florida. I, I thought Florida was like ghetto. I thought it was cheap to live it, there. It's still it's it's come up, but it, it's cost a lot less still. You know what? So I'll that you, could be the next thing. Rehabs could like uh, offer movie deals with their rehab. <laughs> Yeah. What does that like mean? Movie, movie contracts. Like, movie yeah. contracts. Yeah. You come out here and you get sober and you get you a movie contract. Yeah, Mike was smart enough to say not record deal because there's no such thing as a record <laughs> no, deal anymore. Uh, I think there still is a movie deal. Yeah, I think there is. But you know, that is nice because I've, I've noticed we've gotten a lot more people from the area and the difference yeah, me too. With, the, I, I, the difference with being able to talk to their families or have their right. families come visit them when i'm getting passes like all through the week to i want to have family come and visit me 
it is so cool and like refreshing and new to be able to say, oh, this is my dad. Hello, dad. And hello, mom. And hello, brother and sister. But the original thing was the, the there was only three and I didn't even know about the third one, but there was Betty Ford and Hazelden. That was it. And you always went there for 30 or 90 days, right? And then you had, then you came back here to a robust kind of support, like a support network and sober livings and continuing care and seeing therapists and hazelden always their whole focus was who's going to pick you up at the airport betty ford same thing when people going back to new york or back to minnesota who's going to pick you up at the airport betty ford had this thing i never went there but my friend dave navarro went there and they said that uh if you it, it doubles your chances to stay sober if you go to a meeting within 24 hours of returning home right hmm. So they had done this statistical analysis of people that didn't go to meetings, right? So they made this great emphasis, you have to get connected in the first 24 hours. And Hazelden and Betty Ford had this great alumni. Now, I never wanted it. Like some old dude that I've never met is going to pick me up at the airport. No, thank you. My girlfriend will be picking me up at the airport, and I'm going to the uh, racetrack to have lunch in the We're Cary going to the bathhouse. And, 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 and how many times did you try that? Uh, 20, 25. <laughs> you know, you know, though, I, there's a multiplier for that. Mike, the big advocate for the old guys, picking yeah. it up. But no, I mean, if you, if you, let's, well, just, yeah, let's, just address, let's just address the Mike Mart thing. So Mike, <laughs> oh, hello, you Mike Mart. He, no, he has this thing where he listened to the biker, old biker dudes who right. told him what to do. No one else wanted anything to do with him. Oh, listen, oh. you listened to Buddy Arnold. He was an old. Yeah, but that uh, was like, that was like, look, I was a year sober before okay, I became under his let me, spell. I was going to make a point too, that if Buddy Arnold had told you in the beginning, AA doesn't work, it's just a bunch of uh, people telling you what to do, you would have never gone. No, you he needed it. He had it, no. Both, in the beginning, we needed no. Both he and Gloria were very critical of AA. That's what I try to model after. They said, "Ah, it's all bullshit. The God stuff's just bullshit." But go, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but go, but go, <laughs> right? But but the idea was AA was more welcoming of people who didn't like the God stuff. Then well, I be I believe yeah. that. I, I, I believe AA was more welcoming in the in the late 80s, early 90s. Well, I, did you I, go down to Paul's meeting and his agnostic meeting? No, I just meeting? called him. I'm going to go. Oh, I good. Want, no, we gotta, I've, we gotta I've, go been down there, there I've been there a couple times. Yeah. I like that meeting. Mike, I'm not saying there's not great meetings. I'm saying the state of mind of a lot of the 12-step community has been influenced by the narcissistic culture like you know something and other you're less than this pecking order and this everything mm. that's wrong with our society has 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 permeated aa in a certain way yeah but that was just, my response was just in, in response to you saying that that there was you know that we followed these old guys into AA. you know what i mean the old guys that, like my sponsor who was a biker out in the desert and, yeah yeah you know, and basically had but, their own little group and but but kids that was my response to that kids aren't desperate like we were either right we were desperate man we were desperate to stay sober but you were desperate and didn't have a lot of options no <laughs> You're you know, exactly right. You know, and that that's that's the, all everything I was gone. desperate, but I still had a couple plays yeah, in me. That's the multiplier that people got to give Bob credit because a lot of folks 
go to 20 rehabs now to go to 20 rehabs in the time period when you did to be <laughs> able to do it you got to put like a multiplier of four no, or something do on you that, know that? I, t- I put it all together it's 16 months of my life i was in treatment it's like a badge of that, honor. That's now. pretty yeah. good. It's well, like, it, it is a badge of honor. Like well, how many one, times you've overdosed? One stay was five and a half time, a month. So that cry help stay. So the other like twenty three are are uh, one year of my life, right? So a lot of times it's just detox only. I like detox only. I like that. a little spin because, dry you know, and get you know back what out there. I found there. out this same stuff that like uh, this guy on the internet who hates AA Pool is saying that he's Doctor Pool P O O L E. If you want to look him up, he's an interesting guy. He has a lot of interesting ideas. But one of the things that he says is there's no evidence that 30 days in a treatment center has any more effect than just medical stabilization. There's no evidence that the two fail at about the same rate right i've experienced that when i read that in his in his on his website i was like no there were times where i went for an eight day detox. it was supposed to be a 10 day detox and i'd leave after eight because i felt all right (laughs) i would stay sober two or three months there were other times where i went for 30 days to exodus i hated every minute of it i used in the parking lot so so every individual addict's experience every time is unique you can't say this is what works. And, no, and and you can't but say. But we are cancer chemotherapy works, or it kills them, or it does, or it doesn't work, and they stop it. Uh, right, or it kills no. them. Yeah, it weakens them to the point where I had had that yeah. happen to a friend. But 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 if you're terminal, I was with Gloria Scott when they told her it's not working. They tell you this is what they tell you. Uh, Unfortunately, our treatments aren't working and the tumor is getting bigger and um, it's time to get your affairs in order. That's what they tell you. I would, I've like, I would like to do that in treatment with, with some of these kids that are on fentanyl. This isn't working. Uh, this yep. is not working. We're going we're gonna to release you to home. It's time to get your affairs in order. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what affairs? <laughs> That's a fucking rad concept, dude. Right? Yeah. And I remember because because I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? And she, and the woman said, this oncologist said, Well, well, there's nothing more we can do. We just radiation, we do chemo. <laughs> you're, you're leaving the rehab more. and they're saying there's nothing more we can do. You know, do, right? you know it, but, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a lie. It when, wouldn't be a lie. I just I just watched a thing that's on YouTube. It's on BBC three. It's called uh, the I ninety five, the fentanyl highway. Yeah, and two years or later or something like it's that. Vermont, and right? man, it? it's all up and down the east yeah, coast. Yeah, east coast. And it's just so pathetic and sad. There's no party anywhere to be found. And then you see that all these people are devoid of personality. They all think and look and talk about exactly the same. And well, they're they're hopeless and helpless. So here's another component to to treatment that's gotten lost over the years. The genetic predisposition, as I was taught it by Dr. Drew Pinsky, is, has nothing to do with allergy to alcohol. It has everything to do with being overly attuned to environment. So, so that's why alcoholics feel more deeply, get stuck in feelings, f- feel like negative feelings are never going to end. And so attunement to environment this environment's pretty hateful. Last yeah. four years has been pretty awful. 
I, I've been alive and conscious of what's going on for about, off and on for about 45 years, right? From the okay. time I saw the Vietnam War, when my dad was watching the news, it was probably 69 or 70, and there was blood on a guy in the TV, on the TV, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember walking up to it, I was seven or eight or nine years old, and I walked up to it and I pointed out, and I looked at my dad and I said, that's not real blood, is it? Because I just thought, they can't show real blood on television, can they? And he said, get out of here, Bobby, it's none of your goddamn business. I remember that moment. Hmm. So that's a moment of enlightenment. Like that's real blood. Those are real people dying, right? Because you always saw real, you know, fake blood and fake people dying on right. television. Right, entertainment was, for sure. It was my dad watching this Walter Cronkite news to these kids in cages this last couple months. It's just, there's just more awfulness now. Oh my God, Everywhere the news look. is just, it's so hard to watch. But I mean, so if you're overly sensitive and you don't have a job and your dad never had a job and you're in bumfuck nowhere and there's no industrial kind of renaissance going to happen and the coal industry's not coming back, right? Mm -hmm. Why not just fucking get high? Well, that's, and that's where a lot of the, the stuff is is happening and on and you know I, I always watch the live pd and i'll tell you in indiana and and louisiana and kentucky and in the poorer parts it is just sad to see all the people piled into houses with just absolutely you can tell they don't go anywhere the police show up and it's like whoops they, i mean it's just like so, so sad so part of the solution has to be how to reimagine people's lives right people have to be able to reimagine their lives I don't think in large pockets of the Rust Belt you can reimagine your life. So then that 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 comes into a much bigger picture of 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 what we're doing as a society. Rehabilitating those parts of the United States altogether. I mean, there's what do you do next? Well, healthcare is a big one. Yeah. So I, you know, there's there's always going to be Medicare, hopefully, and there will be millions of Medicare jobs. Because the baby boomers are going to get old and poo themselves, right? Somebody's got to. Always the poo comes up. back to the poo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh no! Well, another. No. But um, you know what? One thing because uh, the sanitarium I grew up in in Culver City, my, my family's sanitarium. When I'd go there after school, wait a you second, could, you grew up in a sanitarium? Yeah, my family has had one. So I went there after school. My mom worked there. Yeah, Bob told that story. So. I would go there, and some days, I called bingo, uh, so t uh, two days a week. I, I have no recollection of this at all. Okay. I must have been so drunk. So it's on, it's on, you can still see it if you live in L.A. It's called Westover Sanitarium. It's on Overland, just south of Palm Boulevard, or National, yeah, Palm, I think. So, um, and I would walk from St. Augustine's at Washington Boulevard in Overland, just one block east of Overland. I would walk up there, and and when I would walk in the door, I would know that the place had been cleaned because it didn't have that certain peculiar no. smell. <laughs> but then other days, especially on the weekends, if my mom, if we had to go there on the weekends, you would just walk in. And it's like, oh my god, oh dear, so oh dear, dear me. So, so, so as unhor as as you know unsympathetic as i sound i'm not i'm not un unsympathetic to it 
but it's a job and somebody's got to do it. And we have an elderly population in America, mm-hmm. one of the oldest populations in the world, actually. So somebody's got to clean them and somebody's got to show them some humanity. And somebody's, so there are going to be hundreds of thousands of healthcare jobs. The baby boomers are just now starting to realize that they're going to die because mm-hmm. they're such narcissistic assholes. Probably didn't dawn on them until they got, you know, colon cancer or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, seeing as their parents all went out in their 60s, Dr. 50s Drew and 60s. Has the greatest, the greatest thing of the generations. When you, when, because he took over his dad's patient population. So when, <laughs> when the great generation people were told, jig is up, they were like, gotcha. You know what I mean? Whether it was they were non-ambulatory anymore. They weren't, you know, there was no surgery they could do that was going to make them be able to walk or whatever. You know, the great generation accepted their lot. Baby boomers are like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm getting a second. I'm going to sue you. I'm going to mm. get a second opinion. Fuck you. That's the baby boomers. Okay. As they are aging, they're coming into the graciousness of their uh, sunset years, they're called. So <laughs> and the millennials or what? They just say, "Oh yeah, that's fine." Oh, they're just children still. No. They don't. They don't have to worry about it. Yeah, they don't have to worry about any poo, do they? Never. <laughs> Never. So so, but there are and the, there are jobs in Indiana and Ohio and West Virginia. They're in the healthcare sector. Yeah, lots of gerontology. Right. right. Problem is, you can't have a criminal record working in the healthcare industry. Not for long, huh? They'll need to change that. Are they going to have to They're going to need to. You know what? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Come on. All you're going to need is, once the law changes, one bad actor to murder some old lady in a nursing home, and it's going to be the end of the world. Well, that's happened a bunch. It happens happens (laughs) with people without records. Yeah, that's the kind of weird shit that people get into because they they want to kill people. (laughs) If if you're a criminal already, you're not likely to be like an old person murderer. Was it in a... Or Wait, they get was delusional it, and they start like, I'm going to put these people out of their Yeah, misery. that's what I was saying. It, it wasn't in Ohio that doctor was killing all those patients in the hospital. Was it Ohio? I don't know. It happens a lot. It just happened like two weeks ago. Really? You might be right. You guys aren't paying attention? I'm trying not to. Mike, Google it. A doctor, like I think it's in Ohio, killed like 29 people in a couple months. Oh, no. You know what? I, honestly, his idea was he's putting them out of their misery. I, I've been backing off the news because I, I saw on the, the other morning there was a guy in a white car and he's backing out and police were trying to stop him. He was wanted on arms charges and the, the police shot him. And it just was it in yeah it was in uh, West Covina yeah and I was like and it kind of bothered me and I got to work and my my buddy were talking my buddy Daryl and I were talking and I go hey dude did you see that thing where they they shot that unarmed guy and he goes yeah that was it's one of the guys in one of his AA groups kid and so now they're like dealing with that and it's just like it's, it's just, a kid who it, shot got it, shot it went full mm-hmm. circle how about this, this so a, fast this it wasn't is even the most fun depressing image I've seen that's a real image it's not doctored. That's a real image Kids in of cages. children in cages, like at the pound. And I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm a dark, I'm a dark humored guy. I don't know if you know that about me. Too. I hadn't noticed. And I said, you know what? They should just let us go adopt them. I'll adopt <laughs> two of them. <laughs> no, it's, well, what are they going to be held there for? They well, don't know where their parents are. They're not keeping track of where the parents are. The parents are deported. They've got. 10,000 kids in cages. 10,000 kids? In America. I mean, I, I don't... 
I I don't know. I haven't heard that, but two is too many. It doesn't matter if just there's like ten thousand or one thousand. Just like dogs, two, two is too many. You don't you don't keep kids like that. Yeah, so you don't keep people like that so, unless they're so, murderers. So get my point. I believe that the people that get on fentanyl and and are these that hopelessness that you see in their eyes on live PD, it's it can be turned around. They just need jobs and opportunities, and it can't be come to L.A. I can't even live in L.A. I'm born in L.A. I, I don't think I can survive in L.A. It's only for the most elite people now. Well, Inglewood used to be for anybody that wanted to live there, and now people are getting run out of there, of yeah. all things. So so it's it's just kind of unethical. So what I'm hoping is, with the downfall of American Addiction Centers, that mom and pops will start up. This is the time to start a mom and pop rehab in Huntington, West Virginia, where I want to go and help, and and in Ohio, Lakewood, Ohio, and and in you know Milwaukee. <clears throat> the other thing is, all these places are having these Arizona and California rehabs go out there to kind of make sure to get all the well-insured people to go to their rehabs. I know that's happening with the Don't Die Milwaukee guys town, hmm. right? But we got to get back to some sort of semblance of <coughs> of um, of like doing the right thing. Okay, so why can't can I, there... Can I just say that I Googled the Ohio... There's too many... Uh, uh, murders of the, <laughs> oh, no. even, I can't get through them all. There's so oh many God. elderly nursing home murders that, that oh I can't even find God. them. They're just like oh, that. God. Oh, that's nice to hear. Uh, so, so it's no <laughs> but, wonder young people want to check out. But yeah, no. But the okay. So when we have a problem like homelessness. Like what's happening in L.A. right now where they're needing to find all, they're trying to get the resources in Orange County where they're trying to get their resources to get the all the people off the street. Why isn't there a governmental agency that steps in and says, we're going to need to put programs in these areas or beds for people to at least detox even if it's not well, a program people can uh, agree on i think that i you want me to identify one problem i think that that was given to religious organizations a hundred years ago and and a lot of people are turned off by religion okay so but salvation army the the a lot of the skid row places the mission right mission rescue it's fine i understand but the population that is now becoming homeless is not open to that. Oh, no, Just no. like they're not open to AA. Our society evolved to, to accommodate a more progressive union. It needs to evolve again. Right. And you have powers that be wanting it to stay entrenched because there's billions of dollars at stake. Don't Go down and look at what the directors of those missions make. Okay, but like those, I know for a fact, because I know somebody who's being brought in to build housing for homeless people in Orange County. Okay. If they're paying people to come in and build housing for homeless people that there's no money going to be made on, but because it's a public service and that it's necessary, that it's humanitarian. Where are they going to get the life skills and why, the trainings and the, all that? Why isn't there also a government agency that goes, there's also an extreme need for detox and if nothing else, a 14-day to get people to get their their California IDs or their... Well, there's going to be MAT for why, sure. Why, why isn't there someone doing that in I these 
think they are. I think it's being tooled for MAT right now. I'm kind of privy to some of it. There is going to be a huge MAT rollout in the next two years, all across Southern California. They've already instituted in the county jail. But what about Ohio? Well, in Indiana. Well, I'm just talking about here. Virginia. You, you brought up Orange County. I think the problem of just solving the homeless problem is not solving the problem at all, which is the mental health problem, the job training problem, the life skills problems, and the and alcohol, the alcohol and, drug and drug problems. Yeah, I mean, right. So it's five buckets, and they keep calling it one bucket: the homeless problem. Mm. Right. When you go down under. Like I went down under the Figueroa 210 freeway to just meet people and talk and stuff. I mean, there are people out there that are floridly psychotic and it's not because of meth. They are just out of their minds mentally ill. And it's so sad in the wealthiest country in the world, in the one of the wealthiest cities in the history of civilization, that there are people standing on street corners with their pants down talking to themselves and nobody does anything. So we need a mental health approach. We need an addiction approach that you're talking about. We also need affordable housing approach. We also need jobs, jobs and job skills and job training. So this is, this is a huge endeavor, right? The right. person I have most faith who probably has the most to gain by kind of putting a coalition together is Garcetti because Garcetti had his sight set on the governorship. That ain't never going to happen because of the homeless situation in Los Angeles. Yeah. So if he can solve that eight years from now, he can say, remember, remember what yeah. was going on on the streets of LA bitches. But he did I a, but solved he, it. But he did a good job of keeping it off the radar until like just the last like six months where it's become, I think more people are migrating in California. I think there's a huge argument that Orange, that Costa Mesa rehabs have imported large portions of those homeless population. I believe that. If not you not give, in L.A. They stay in Orange County. because No, like, I know. In Orange County, yeah. what was along the 57, I, yeah. I've got to believe, I don't know, a percentage, even if it's 10% of that population, the Costa Mesa rehab bullshit mm -hmm. imported those people with one-way air tickets to California over well, you, a period of years and years. You remember that that giant place, we won't say its name. Well, I just heard that that guy's opening up a new place. Yeah, but that's what I say about the good actors, bad actors. Ah. So the enticement laws, right? So uh, they listed all, at this conference all the new laws that came out in November about about patient brokering and then, and, and then advertisement and marketing and blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for some sort of law that they created about the digital realm. There's nothing. You can still just you know, sell traffic. You can still buy leads. You can sell leads. You can pay-per-click. There's no laws monitoring the main reason why the industry is in it the way it is, is because of Google. Google is the main patient brokering network of the addiction treatment community. So, it is the main so then way it what's, happens. Then what's the fix? The fix is to not advertise healthcare to the highest bidder on Google. You should not be able to pay-per-click to pop up. I don't care if it's a taco stand or t-shirts or harmless things. But healthcare. But healthcare should not be sold to the highest bidder on Google. And the guys trying to supposedly legitimize all that have got their hands in a lot of different, different pies that I don't trust anybody that would oversee that. It just needs to be a law by the people. You cannot sell healthcare 
to the highest bidder. Simple. California law. Just have it in California. If we can't pass that law in California, that will straighten up treatment in Los Angeles and Southern California in a matter of hours. Because you will have to have high quality programs. You will have to have uh, good patient care. You will have to have good sense of community. You will have to have good referral sources that trust you with their patients. You will have to have relationships with doctors, psychiatrists, hospitals. Instead of just pay Google $150,000 a month to, to be the, first, be the yeah. first thing that pops up. So that's one thing. So I, I want you guys that work in treatment, the Milwaukee guys and, and up in Sacramento and everywhere, Nevada, all the don't die communities, start having dialogues about how we could get our industry back to respectability. Just respectability. <laughs> like I don't, I'm not talking about Mother Teresa. Like I said, there's no. a continuum. Let's. How do we get it out of the gutter where it is back to some sort of respectability? Because I want to be a part of that, and I think that's as important as our kind of harm reduction, uh, disease minimization, and all the don't die kind of movements that have been going on. Because if the solution is a corrupt cesspool, people are going to die. The people are, I'm, I have no doubt that people are dying because of the state of the industry. No doubt. Kicked out in the middle of the night when their insurance is cut off. Mm. How immoral is that? How unethical is that? You yeah. just made $90,000 off this motherfucker and his insurance is got you know is up or he turned 26 and you pack up his shit and tell him to hit the road you you should i mean you wouldn't be surprised but i am shocked by how many clients i'll be talking to and they'll go wait i'm gonna be op because that's when at the other programs they get thrown out because that's when you're getting paid for three to five hours a week yeah like 500 of, of, bucks you're, you're getting paid for three to five hours of services and you're providing a home and a and food yeah, and well, all these things the thing. and that's usually where they, they go i go don't worry uh once you're once you're op you're cool if you need to be here 120 days and you're at 60 that's how long you'll be here you know how we solved that at aloe was silver lake that's the op house you just you know yeah. what i mean it ain't gonna be fucking downtown huntington beach i can tell you that but, but you can there are go. worse places to be i loved being in silver lake are you kidding me no but i mean but I, what i'm saying is those the the lifestyle of which they're accustomed in residential and php and iop to a certain extent on certain policies I'll show you what kind of angel i am <laughs> <laughs> there are some etna policies that iop pay like better than most residential policies pay so really? so so yeah you get to live in the nice house and you can get to have co you know folders coffee and shit like that but when it hits op you're moving to santa we have a op house in santa Ana. Right? Oh no! Oh, no! You know no! No! The op op people stay. Well, that's I'm, we're You're not talking not about our out. individual programs, but I know at our place there has to be an op house. Yeah. Cry Help has what's called the T house. That's where you go after you graduate from Cry Help. And you're still up, receiving outpatient treatment, right? So it would be what is modernly known as the OP house. When I was there, you had to pay three hundred dollars a month to live there. It was. It was unbelievable how you lived. 
It was like three people to this bedroom. Yeah, no, no, but that that's that's vital. I know at Cooper they had that because you were six months in the program, and then you had the Cooper Apartments, which is kind of one of the things we do. We've got we've got apartments that are down there off Delaware and Utica, so we've got an apartment complex where you put people that are working that are programming one one hour a day for five five days a week. So it is kind of an OP house. It's, yeah, OP it's house. still a good place to be. Uh, but but the idea of no, you, you don't want those people mixed in with the people that are programming full or half days because it it breeds all sorts of problems anyhow well but here, here's another thing i don't think the op houses should be very nice right <laughs> so i had an op house in beachwood remember did you go to beach yeah you yeah were, okay so when your son was there that wasn't a pleasant living environment it was a pleasant it was a pleasant address it wasn't pleasant living it was a nice view you, I you like had the view. six people downstairs in those three bedrooms right like if somebody farts it's right in your face right. that's you know what i mean concrete bunkers but you know <laughs> You know, see, and that's the thing. It's in Claremont, Bob. If you put it out here in Claremont, then you wouldn't have to drive so far. It's supposed to motivate you to move forward. It's not supposed to be your end game. So, I mean, that's the idea. And I like the idea of it gets, and I like the idea of it costing cash money once you're working. And that's what, that's why Cooper, the resident, that place was being social model worked so well for me. I can tell you all the people that made it out of Beachwood, right? There's Ryan and Max and, and there's like, 10 people that made it out of there because at a certain point when it's so like that house wasn't that much when i first rented it right so so and then once i started living there i really only expected to get a couple thousand bucks from downstairs but i wanted them to be able to get so at a certain point rather than pay the 500 bucks i would say promise me this is your last month Right. Uh-huh. So that's what I said to like 10 or 12 of them. I said, promise me this is your last month and you don't have to pay, but you got to be gone 30 days from today. So that gives them 30 days to scrounge up dough. So one kid sold his car, smart move, right? He had like a $4,000 car, sold it for, on, you know, whatever Craigslist or whatever on online for like $3,800, bought a $1,000 car, got a single apartment. Smart. You got to fucking think like that, junkies. You got to think <laughs> like that. Yeah, well, that, that's that was somebody who was motivated to move forward. I mean, that's that's the trick. Is how do you do but, that? But here's the thing: I was, you know, by all intents and purposes, I was the counselor. He came to me and goes, "I'm thinking of selling my car and like getting a junker car, or maybe using Uber, and then I could get an apartment with that money." I said, "That sounds like a great idea." I don't think most counselors would do that. I think most counselors are so out of touch with with clients and their needs that they're just thinking with a clinical head and Why not would you a get practical rid of a good head. car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, you no. can hear that. I can hear. You, I can hear. Half your staff would say that. Well, you know, well, you don't want to give up your car. You know, though the 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 uh, the other way of going with the motivational interviewing and saying to them okay how is that gonna how how will it benefit you to sell the car well i'll be able to do this and i'll be able to try and get get them to pull the answers and and come up so i mean you've been doing you've been doing motivational interviewing for a long time though you do that where you cause people to come up with their own answers and and their own justifications it's vital you also have to be attuned to him so he had just gotten this aa romance right that was he was he was like nine months over so you just got perfect AA romance right i said don't be taking that girl out to sushi 
That's like, that's what I said. Like, I don't know how other clinicians talk. That's how I talk to my clients. Don't, I know you're going to get fucking money in your pocket and you're going to take her out to fucking Katsuya and blow 300 bucks. Don't fucking do that. Right. And he's like, can I just do it one time? <laughs> no. Well, I said, I said he could take her to like something that was like 60 bucks. <laughs> You've got to be that involved with your clients or you're right. not helping them. That's the truth of it. No, no, that's that's when they tell me they don't have money, but they've got a new vape. I go, well, there you go. Bummer, bucks. bummer, dude. No, bucks those things cost. And some of them, some of them, but you can get one for fourteen bucks too. So it's a matter of well, you're going for prestige. You not you need to make the perfect cloud. You have to have the biggest <laughs> mod on the block. It's those another fourteen dollar ones. Must be the ones that blow up and take off your jaws. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I wish. So let me let me uh, let me just say this is this is. This is my new mission in life is how do we bring back, you know, it wasn't that great of an industry back then. I was complaining about it then. You I, know, was no. I was complaining about Los Encinas was just a, all they care about is money. That was like, that was like Valhalla compared to what was to come. <laughs> like, well, it's why we got to enjoy Dude, where we are, Bob. Los Encinas, we took Medicare. We took all in network of every insurance, right? And I was complaining, all these people care about is yeah, money. But you're the voice of dissension, and that's why we love you. The angel so, who's the, with the voice of dissension. I'm right in the middle. So you decide decide which, which side of me you're on. Because to my right is the continuum of scum, and to my left is the continuum of angel. So, all right. Well, I'm so, a little on your right. You're on my left, for Aww. sure. You don't think Thanks. you are? That's how I see you. Yeah, okay. Thank you, then. Mike is right shoulder to shoulder with me. <laughs> 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 me and Mike. reason why we butt heads is because we're so much alike. I guess we kind of are. Yeah, we are. All right, so having a good night. See you next time. Don't die. And try to straighten up the recovery industry. Please, sort it out before we come back. <laughs> good night.